0: Just how humbling that is. So thanks for clapping. It made me feel a little better about myself. (laughs) Oh, you were clapping for the word. Shoot. Well, Pastor Matt just—he when he told his Lego story, I think he preached a better sermon than you're going to hear. But uh, we'll we'll give it a shot. Anyway, uh, you know, I came across this scripture first. You know when you go to like grandma's house at Thanksgiving and Christmas and the special dishes come out? You know what I'm talking about? Does anyone's grandma have special dishes? You know, the ones that for some reason like you had to wash by hand, right? You know what I'm talking about? Why? What in the world? They made a dishwasher for a reason, amen? Well, you got the special dishes that that have to be They have to be, like, treated really well. And they're only on special occasions. So, you know, if you go over to someone's house and the special dishes come out, you know, you know you're good. You know you're someone special. Now, I don't want to brag, but in our house, we have two sets of dishes also. Absolutely. We've got the regular dishes, and then we've got the paper plates when we don't want to do dishes, right? So I'm talking about. It's the right kind of dishes. In 2 Timothy 2, Paul says that in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. He says that some of them are for, for honorable special purposes and some are for common. And he says now, if you, if you cleanse yourself from the common, then you'll be a vessel set apart as Holy useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. That's the kind of vessel that I want to be, that if we are going to be the sent ones out into this world, that's the kind of vessel set apart as holy. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, being holy, being set apart. We're going through First and Second Peter. This series is called Born Again. Has anyone's life been touched by Jesus? Yeah. We are born again. And if you missed any of this series or that that phrase seems new to you, go back and our YouTube page and listen to a couple sermons. We talked about that. John chapter 3, where Jesus talks about being born again. And then in last week, we looked in 1 Peter, the born-again benefits. We looked at the benefits of a born-again life, a living hope, an inheritance, a powerful protection that God has for you. And today we see Peter start in verse 13 he says therefore prepare your minds for action see because you have a living hope because you have an inheritance because you have powerful protection in the lord now therefore get ready so let's look at 1st Peter chapter 1 let's get into the word and let's see what he has to say to us tonight 1st Peter And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially. Oh, here we go. I didn't know. I, I thought God was talking to me and the Scared me. Okay. I don't know what happened. Okay. Can you turn this down just a little bit? Can you turn this mic down a little bit, please? And if you call on him. As Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest to you in these last times, for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So we're going, to, we're going to look at this passage, and everything in here points to one central idea, and that central idea is the idea that we are called to be holy. So I want to look at holiness tonight. Now, does anyone ever, like you hear the word holy, and you think, not it. <laughs> because when I hear the word holy, a lot of times I think, oh, that means like I'm pure, and I'm righteous, and I'm clean, and I've I've not messed up. Doesn't that come to your mind when you think of holy? Well, here's the good news. That's not what holy means. And we're going to talk about how you have been called to holiness, and it is possible. It is possible every day of your life, whether you are perfect, which you're not, or you're not. So here is what I think happens, though, in our life. When you pursue the holiness that I'm going to talk about, you actually start to have in your life purity and cleanliness and right living before the Lord. Holiness produces those things. So let's look at this word holy. The Greek word is hagios, and it means this. It means set apart by God unto himself and apart from the world. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Set apart by God. Who set you apart? Was it by all the good things you did that you were saved? It was by grace. It was whose work on the cross? Jesus. It is God who sets us apart unto himself and apart from the world. It is God who says, come on out of that common box that Pastor Matt was talking about. It also means this. It means that holiness in the Bible indicates God's presence in things, places, times, and persons. Indicates God's presence. You'll see in the Old Testament, we'll talk about the holy mountain or the the holy temple. And you'll see God's holiness, God's presence in things. And so you are holy. You have been made holy. So this idea of holiness is not moral purity but it's rather the idea of apartness that we are apart that we are different that we are set apart for god god says in in leviticus 20 verse 26 he says you must be holy because i the lord am holy i have set you apart from all other people to be my very own and so holy living is set apart living And I want to dig into this a bit today and take a look at how in the world you live a holy life. Wouldn't that be great to know? God calls us, he says, be holy for I am holy. So, that's not just a concept or an idea. That is a call from God to live a life where we are holy. So, holy living is set apart living. Now, it is actually, Peter drops a couple hints here in the text and The first 10 is in the very first verse in 1 Peter 1. And he uses this word a couple times, and it's the word exile. You see, holiness is simply living a lifestyle of an exile for God. An exile. In chapter 1, verse 1, he says, he's he's writing this, he says, to the exiles. He's actually writing this book to exiles. Not, not to people who are literally in exile. Now, do you know what an exile is? An exile is somebody who has been removed from their home country. That's an exile. They've been removed. They have a country that is their home and is the place where they belong, and they have been removed from that country for one reason or another, but they've been removed from that country. And Peter says he's writing this letter to exiles, but he's not talking about physical exiles. He's talking about spiritual exiles. Here's an interesting thing that I found when I was kind of digging through this is that every single time we see the Israelites exiled in the Bible, we see them living in a land that is trying to convert them away from serving their God. Hmm. I'll have to sink in for a second. (laughs) An exile lives in a land that is trying to convert them from serving their God. Now let's look at a couple of stories. Daniel. Remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den? Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Right? Someone deemed a man being thrown into a pit that was going to get devoured by lions and three men getting burned to death as a children's story for Sunday school. I don't know how that came about. It's a terrible idea. Somebody has a really sick sense of humor just scare the kids into heaven i don't know how we do that (laughs) but you know those stories like daniel daniel was told he couldn't pray to his god he said you're not they said you're not allowed to pray and he could only pray to the king but he said no no i will pray to my god i won't stop shadrach meshach and abednego were told to bow down and they said we will not bow down to the idol we bow only to the lord See, these men were all Israelite men in this time, in the book of Daniel. They were living in an exile in a land called Babylon. They were living in a land called Babylon, which, by the way, Babylon is a spiritual place (laughs) that just represents the things of this world. And so you have these four men. They're living in a place. They're living in exile. They, They lived there. They worked there. They raised their families there in a land that was not theirs. But here's the thing, even though they lived there, they didn't live according to the ways of that land, they lived according to the ways of the Lord, and they stuck to it, and God honored them for it. You see, it's real easy, because see, they were actually, you know, those men, they were in a program which was trying to convert them into living the life, the way of Babylon. And they stood up and said, we are going to live the way of our Lord because they realized that that wasn't their homeland, that they were exiles in that land. They realized that they were citizens of another land, not of Babylon. And in Philippians 3.20, it says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I need you to know. You, born-again Christian, are Daniel living in Babylon you right now in this moment of history you are Daniel living in Babylon when you are born again you are an exile and like Daniel you can make a choice you have a choice to make you can choose to worship God alone like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego you can choose not to bow to idols you can choose not to bow to an agenda you can choose not to bow to the world you don't have to bow you can bow to the Lord your God. And this is what they showed us. They showed us that by living for the Lord in a land not theirs, it was very clear where those men belonged. You would have known it if you would have met them in that time that they belonged to the land of Israel. You would have known it that their citizenship was not in Babylon, but their citizenship was truly someone else by the way they lived their lives. You see... Choosing holiness will reveal your true citizenship. When you choose holiness, the citizenship of heaven is going to come out in your life. It is going to be revealed in your life. When you stop bowing down to the things of this world, purity begins to take shape in your life. It naturally begins to happen. When you choose to worship God alone, the things of Babylon, they start losing their power over you. The fear, the torment, the trouble. It begins to lose its power over your life. When Jesus is the king of your heart, the king of the land doesn't determine your future. You see, we get so wrapped up in everything that the world is doing to us. But we're called to advance the kingdom to the world. See, we're the ones that are to be advancing, not shrinking back. And we are to be out there representing our citizenship. You represent your citizenship. Let me just ask you, does anyone follow sports at all, ever? Sometimes, a few people, right? And you have a team that you like? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is, is going to be like a hard question, but like the reality is like the people in your life that really know you, Do they know what sports team you like more than they know that you're a citizen of heaven? Like, what do you represent? What do you champion in your life? We are called to live set apart for God. See, this is holiness is the roadmap to to living a life for Jesus. It's the born again life, it's how you live pure, godly, and upright lives. Being set apart to say, God, I am going to live set apart for you. I'm not going to be like everyone else. I'm not going to be common. I'm going to live set apart. And we can go ahead and stop trying to strive for perfection. Does anyone ever try that? Like, I got to just be perfect for God. Stop striving for perfection and start living set apart. It begins with an attitude, a mentality, a decision, a choice, one thing at a time. Because if you live set apart your desires will naturally start to change. If you live set apart, your goals start changing. If you live set apart, your attitude changes. Your outlook changes. Your morals change. Your heart changes when you live set apart. And here we are trying to do all the right things so that we can try to be holy because we think that we're trying to be pure and right, which God calls us to, But it starts with a decision. A decision, God, I will be set apart. And those things, they will come following, I promise you, when you begin to live different. Be holy, for I am holy. Be set apart, for I am set apart. Be different, for I am different, says the Lord. All right, piece of cake, we're done. No. Not letting you off that easy. Here's the thing. Fortunately, Peter gives us some kind of help. I don't know about you, but I need help. I need help sometimes. I I hear God's word say, okay, live set apart. I'm like, I got it. And then that that thing comes along, right? Whether that's a circumstance, an obstacle, a temptation, whatever it happens to be. And you find yourself back, not set apart. And you say, oh, come on, God, I want to live set apart. And Peter gives us some strategy here, and I'm going to look at these three things right here. And they're, they're throughout the text, and you kind of got to dig into this a little bit to get them out, but I'm going to tell you what they are ahead of time. The first one is think intentionally. Think, can you say that? Think intentionally. Think intentionally. The second one is fear the Lord. Come on, say fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. We'll dig into that one a little bit. And the last one is to remember the ransom. I'm going to say remember the ransom. So we're going to look at these three things that Peter tells us is going to guide us into the holy life, into the set-apart life. And he starts with thinking intentionally. Thinking intentionally. Come on, how many of you have had a great idea but never actually put the thought into making that idea happen? Come on, I'm sure all of us at some point in time. You've got to think intentionally. You've got to make a plan. He says, think intentionally. Intentionally, And he gives us actually four different things that he tells us to do. I'm gonna just look them over real quick. He says, prepare your minds for action, be sober-minded, set your hope on grace. And then he says, don't be conformed to your former ignorance. So there's four things he looks at here. Now, as I was studying this out, I kind of laughed a little bit because the phraseology in the Greek is really kind of funny. Because the word prepared mind this is what it literally translates as, right? Gird up the loins of your mind. Praise the Lord. Well, I bet I wonder if King James says that. Maybe it does. Yeah, it does. And you read that and you go, What are you talking about? Now, that means absolutely nothing to us today, but it, it would have meant something then. It would have meant some a lot then because it's as funny as it sounds, it resonated with the audience. In fact, they wore long tunics. And you couldn't really run in them. All right. Any women ever try to run in a dress? All right, And heels? I don't even know how you walk in heels, let alone running in them. I haven't tried, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> but so they would take this tunic, and it was like this long coat, and it would get in the way, and so they would, they would tuck it all up into the belt, belt of truth. Same imagery, you tuck up into the belt so that you can run, so that you can be ready to run. This actually, Peter gives these, his readers a reference to the original Passover back in Exodus chapter 12. Because in Exodus chapter 12:11, as God was delivering them from exile, they were told to gird up their loins to get their garments ready for running because freedom was coming. They didn't just, just say, well, freedom will come to just sit around and wait. He said, be ready, it's on its way. Have you ever sensed God saying that to you about something in your life? Saying, get ready, it's on its way. And this is where you begin to prepare your mind. So Peter says, do this with your minds. Get yourselves ready for action. You see, in the Old Testament, the Israelites were told to run for their freedom. What's amazing is the reason they could run for their freedom is because the blood of the Lamb that they put on the doorposts of their homes, but now Peter says it's because of the blood of the Lamb, Jesus on the cross. The Old Testament is so relevant. It so foreshadows the work of Jesus. And so we see Peter even bringing this imagery so they could understand fully what he was saying. And so as the Israelites got ready to leave a land of slavery, as they got ready to put behind them their life of exile in Egypt, he says, Get ready for your freedom. If you are going to live a holy life, you've got to prepare your mind for it. You've got to think about it. You've got to be intentional about setting your mind on being set apart. I am set apart. You might have to tell yourself that a lot, all day long. A choice comes your way, and it's maybe like very gray. And you begin to think intentionally and say, God, I'm prepared my mind for this moment. I'm set apart. And then he says, have a sober mind. Now, not serious or depressed or a downer, not that kind of sober, but like the opposite of drunk, right? No one's, no one's drunk here, right? I hope. The Bible says don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? If you're not drunk, you're sober. Congratulations. <laughs> That's all this means. You are in control. You are in control. You are self-controlled. If you have a sober mind, that means you're not under the influence of something foreign. There's not something foreign that you've brought into your mind that is influencing you in your life. I wonder what in our lives we bring into our minds that influence us. What what is that that we bring I mean what is I'm so intentional about music that I listen to, right? There's 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 music that's got like the music itself is really great and then the words start and that foreign substance that's coming into my mind. Hmm. I'm real intentional about what I read, I'm real intentional about what I watch, I'm real intentional about the conversations that I have. Now, you can't always control the other person's mouth, and there's just grace. There's grace. That's just another side point. As a Christian, if you're talking to a non-Christian who talks like a non-Christian, have grace. Just have grace. Right? If this is a brother or sister in the Lord, then maybe you you need to challenge them. But, you know what I'm saying? Don't don't hold the world to, to a standard start praying for their soul. That's what we got to be doing, right? And so, because otherwise, how do we come off as Christians? Like, well, I don't want to join that club, right? Be sober-minded. Don't let your mind be under the influence of something foreign. You decide your thoughts by the power of the Holy Spirit. You decide. You set your mind on the right things. And then he says, have a prepared mind, a sober mind, have an intentional mind. Now, an intentional mind is not a mind that tries really hard to stop thinking about bad stuff because that's really hard to do. In fact, if you have a thought that comes in your mind and you start saying, don't think about that, don't think about that, don't think about that, don't think about that, you've just thought about that like five times stronger. But an intentional mind is a mind where we set our mind intentionally on whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is right, whatever is upright. And so an intentional mind actually moves to a place where we say, all right, rather than focusing on not, on common, I'm going to focus on what does it mean to be set apart in my life? I'm going to set my mind on the hope that I have in Jesus because I'm really struggling today or I'm I'm fearful today or I, I don't know what my future holds and my job situation is up in the air and the financial picture. We're not really sure what that looks like. And so I'm going to just stop and I'm going to set my mind on my provider. I'm going to set my mind on the hope that I have in Jesus. And so you intentionally put your mind in a different place. That's right, you can clap because Jesus is awesome. Alright? Now you can, now let's say you're failing if you do that. You can set your mind on the grace that Jesus has for you. Now be careful. Not like the grace of like, it's okay, I can do this. He'll forgive me. Paul warns against that. He says, no, that's not the attitude you ought to have. You've been born again you've been born again you are no longer that person and so don't abuse the grace of God but use the grace of God focus your mind on the grace of God because what happens is we get stuck sometimes in our own thinking in our own self and we punish ourselves it's heartbreaking when I hear people that say "Well, I haven't come to church because I just I just I'm not really living a great life right now that church is where you should be I mean, this isn't the judgment seat. This is like the hospital. This is the place where the sick come to get well. And so we have an intentional mind, like I am going to set my mind on what is good and the hope that I have. And then finally he says, have a renewed mind. Don't conform to the former ignorance. You see, your mind has been renewed. Remember you've been born again. I'm sure you've all heard Romans 12, too, that says, Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we renew our minds day by day. How do you renew your mind? You spend time with the Lord, you you get in His Word, you worship, you pray, and we renew our minds. And so if we are going to live a set apart life, you're going to have to think intentionally about it. I know that sounds like work. But it's more than just making a decision today, and I, I hope that we make a decision to say, you know what, I've been born again, and I'm going to live set apart life. That's a great decision. It will change everything for the better in your life. But I, I'm not going to tell you that now. You just go out and it's like, woo, that was easy. I'm done. All right, what's the church next week? Now, what I'm telling you is you're going to have to think intentionally. You're going to have to think intentionally day by day, sometimes hour by hour, sometimes minute by minute, sometimes second by second. And you're going to be intentional. No, I am living a set-apart life. And let it guide the decisions you make. Let it guide the things that you say, the the things that you bring in. So think intentionally. The second thing he says is fear the Lord. Peter says we should conduct ourselves with fear. Fear. Now, this can kind of be confusing because all the time we say, wait, wait, wait. didn't we sing like there's no more fear? I don't talk. We're not supposed to fear. And yet, Peter says, conduct yourselves with fear. He's not talking about be afraid of this world, he's saying, you are supposed to have a fear of the Lord. Now, let's talk about what that means because what that doesn't mean is I'm afraid of God. You see, God's word says that I can boldly approach the throne of grace because of the work of Jesus Christ, that He is my intercessor, that He is contending at the right hand of the Father for me. And so I can go to the throne room of God, I can go and I can ask Dad for the the best and the greatest, and I can ask Him for healing, and I can ask Him for power, and I can ask Him for wisdom, and I can ask Him for forgiveness. So I'm not afraid of the Lord, but my goodness, I recognize. I that he's indescribable. I recognize that, that he is so other than me. That's, that's the... I try to, like, describe the Lord, and, and words like greater, bigger, more powerful, they don't even really work. And so the only way I can really describe the Lord is just so other than me. He's just so other. Now, I'm made in the image of God, so there's a glimpse. But yet, God is so much greater. Fearing the Lord means to be in awe to respect and to honor the Lord. As we were in worship tonight and you're worshiping the Lord and you're just in awe of who He is, you know, that is fearing the Lord. You see, it's not scary. It's not afraid. It's a deep reverence linked with the love that we have for Him. We revere Him because of His greatness and power and we do so because He is our Father. Now, fearing the Lord peter tells us helps us to pursue the holy life because while we know he's a good father he's also the eternal judge peter points out like yes he's your father and he loves you and he's forgiven you but but he says don't forget that there is god will judge the world so he says so live with that just in just live with that in the back of your mind a little bit live with that when you just think oh, i can do whatever i want god will forgive me He says just remember How powerful and great God is and that he has all authority. Proverbs 16, 6 says, by fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. I love that. Because by fearing the Lord, you recognize, God, that while you sent your son and you you gave him up and he gave his life for me, God, you still, you judge sin. You will someday destroy the world. God will someday destroy the world in its, its ways. Did you know that? This world will be destroyed. This Jesus is coming back for his bride, for his church. He is coming back, and he is looking for a holy people, a set-apart people. See, fearing the Lord motivates us, Peter tells us, to live set-apart because it reminds us of the consequences of living according to the world. Not not just because God's going to get me, Now, we got to make sure we have the right mindset about who God is, because we don't serve a God who's just going to get us if we make a mistake. That's not the God that we serve. But we serve a God who is gracious enough to allow us to choose him freely. To choose him freely. Because what is love if you're just forced into it? He says, choose me freely. And so the world, however... Now, remember, we're in exile. So, we live in a world, a Babylon, that is a broken world, that is decaying, that has problems, that has issues, that has consequences, that has all kinds of things that will destroy your life. Have you ever seen it on your life or anyone else's? Right? See, we need to fear the Lord because we know that if we choose not set apart, that God will say to us, okay, I'm not going to force you to serve me. I'm not going to force you to love me. And we don't choose set apart what we choose the way of the world. Then all of a sudden, the consequences of living the way of the world, they begin to come into our life. Because God allows us to not live for him. I can't imagine what that, that's like as a father. To, to see one of his children walk away. But the fear of the Lord should motivate us to live set apart. The fact that we know that Jesus has come at any time should motivate us to say, God, I am going to use every last day I have on this earth to live holy for you. And so, fear the Lord, Peter says. And finally, he says, to remember the ransom. I love he uses this word, ransom. He tells us, you have been ransomed. It's like the way of the world once had you in captivity. It's like you were kidnapped by the world. You were kidnapped, but then there was a ransom that was put on your head. And Jesus came. The blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, paid the ransom for your soul. Does anyone remember Nah, if you're in high school now the answer is no back in the 90's when that movie Ransom came out with Mel Gibson it was like terrifying for some reason to me like this kid gets kidnapped and they're trying to extort all this money from this guy like now it's like on every single cop show that's out there but that whole idea that like someone's been stolen away from their family and a ransom someone's got to pay but Jesus paid Jesus paid not just a little ransom, not like a hundred bucks, not even a million bucks. He was beaten, tortured, killed to set you free from your captor. He set you free from your captor. The life of sin. He set you free from the, the, the way of life that was headed down a path to destruction. It's always headed down that path, by the way. Whether it looks like it in the moment or not, it will always head down the path to destruction. And Peter says this should motivate us to live a holy life. It should motivate us when we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, we should be motivated to live a set-apart life. When we stop and think and we receive communion together tonight and we, we really stop and, and, and picture in our mind, Jesus, you were beaten for me. You put your life in place of mine. You died for me. I don't know, Jesus. I know that was tough, but living set apart is kind of hard. Peter says that should motivate you. Like when someone does something really, really nice for you, just like in regular life, they they do something really nice for you, you kind of feel like, man, that's great. I mean, I I should probably be more nice to them because they, they did something nice to me. Jesus gave his life for you. And Peter says, as you're thinking intentionally, just keep it in your mind. Like when you're thinking like, you know, I don't know, it's following, like I don't know if I can make this decision. I, it's hard, I've been trying to live for Jesus, I've been trying to follow this God's way, but I got this thing, it's like a really, you know, I got this opportunity. I know that like God probably wouldn't approve of it. <sighs> Jesus died so that I could live set apart. I'm gonna choose holiness. And he says, let this motivate you. Let the ransom that was paid for your life. Don't run back to your captor. Why would you run back to your captor? Can you imagine what that would be like? Imagine a real life scenario in which someone was kidnapped and then someone paid the ransom to set them free to go back to their family and they go, you know, I'm going to go back over here where they were like not feeding me and whatever was happening. That's ridiculous. Who would run back to your captor? And yet, as Christians, spiritually, we so easily run back to our captor. We so easily just choose the life of sin over and over. It's, part of the problem is just in our flesh. <laughs> but then that's why we have to make a decision. I will live set apart. I'm not going to run back to what captivated me. I'm not going to run back to these old ways. I've been set free. I've been made alive. I've been born again. 1 Corinthians 7.23 says this, You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. Now he's not talking literal men, he's talking the way of the world. Don't become a bondservant. Don't bond yourself to. Don't enslave yourself to the ways of this world, the ways of the flesh. Don't use your freedom to go back to captivity. What are we using our freedom for? Jesus gave his life so you could be holy. And I want you to know clearly, if you didn't know this before, I want you to hear it. Some of you need to hear it again. Your sins have been forgiven. Your past, it's gone. Not like gone like you misplaced it, but like dead. Dead and you buried it and you've been born again you have new life in Jesus new life so that you could be set free, healed, restored set apart and holy this is what he has for us the born again life opens the door to holiness for us in our lives and so when we read in the Bible be holy, we don't have to stop and think well that's impossible because Peter says no stop, think intentionally about it. Fear the Lord. Remember what Jesus did for you and set yourself apart. You don't want to look like everyone else. Well, maybe you do, but you won't if you choose Jesus. You know why as a Christian you don't look like everyone else? Because you're not like everyone else. You're not going to act like everyone else. You're not going to think like everyone else. You're not going to talk like everyone else because that's not the way it's supposed to be in the kingdom of God. You're a citizen of a different place, of the kingdom of God. Be holy, for he is holy. And when we begin to get a hold of this idea that holiness is not some elite club out there that maybe someday I'll achieve because I'm a good enough Christian. But when holiness is a daily choice to say, Jesus, today I wake up and I go about my day and I'm going to choose to set myself apart for you. Jesus, would you get out the good plates today? And would you use me to do your work in my world? That's being set apart for God. I want to just take the mystery out of it for you. Just simply living that out in your life. I, what would that look like? Every day, every day this week. Do you, I hope you pray. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I hope you pray. But if you don't, I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. i wake up every morning. Whether you're grumpy, whether you slept good or not, you can pray this prayer. Good morning, Lord. I'm setting myself apart for you today. Help me walk it out. In every interaction, in every decision, in every thought, in every way I walk, in everywhere I look, what I consume, what I listen to, let me filter it through a life that has been set apart. Be holy, he says. Be holy.